Welcome to the Green Front, where we cover the most interesting, compelling, and timely topics on the environmental front. I'm your host and producer, Betsy Rosenberg. On today's show, we'll get the lowdown on the high cost of climate disruption on the ski and winter tourism industry, as Desi Doyen just mentioned. We'll be speaking with an expert from the Natural Resources Defense Council about this growing concern as the winter recreation season gets underway. In our last segment, we'll meet the CEO of a new solar tech company that today is rolling out a breakthrough service that allows homeowners to get an assessment of how much a solar system would cost and how much energy could be generated, all from the comfort and convenience of your own computer. But first on the program, a couple of political stories on climate change. Just breaking today, Senator Barbara Boxer announcing that she plans to convene a climate caucus next year to address the growing crisis, saying Hurricane Sandy has changed a lot of minds on the topic, and that is a petition is circulating online asking President Obama to hold a national summit on climate disruption. The man behind that effort is my first guest. Very pleased to welcome Bob Dappelt to the Green Front. Bob has a very interesting resume. He's the executive director of the Resource Innovation Group. It's a nonpartisan social science-based sustainability and global climate change education, research, and technical assistance organization affiliated with the Center for Sustainable Communities at Willamette University, where he is also a senior fellow. He's written um, something called From Me to We, the Five Transformational Commitments Required to Rescue the Planet, Your Organization, and Your Life Through the Integration of Advanced Psychology, ecosystem science and buddhist precepts welcome to the program bob well thank you very much nice to be here with that eclectic background i'm very um, eager to chat with you and uh, want to ask you uh, what prompted you to decide that we need a climate summit early on in 2013 well first of all i am just one of uh, a number of people working on this effort a number of organizations that includes the naacp who is focused on the impacts of climate change on communities of color the Friends Committee on National Legislation, uh, Kids Against Global Warming, which is a group that uh, is working with children who are very concerned about their future, and a number of other groups. Um, and we believe that the, the president must lead on this issue, that uh, many people uh, realize or believe now there is a problem, that the climate is changing. And I think, as you said, Hurricane Sandy has really uh, changed many public attitudes, as Barbara Boxer says. Uh, but people don't know what is it they can do to both prepare for and build resilience to the impacts of climate change and reduce our contribution to the problems by reducing their greenhouse gas emissions. The president's got to stand up and say, we have a significant problem and we have solutions that have tremendous benefits. Here's what they are. I'd like you all, Americans, to begin to implement these these uh, actions. That's what the summit is aimed at, and that's why we felt it was important to begin to push for this kind of event. Well, I was very excited to learn about it and could not agree more. In fact, a few of us were contemplating uh, in August even and September, even before Superstorm Sandy hit after the record heat and drought, that uh, we needed to start a campaign called Weather We Care, W-E-A-T-H-E-R, which would have um, really mobilized, you know, action on the fact that climate change has arrived and whether or not we care about our fellow Americans, our communities, our country, our planet will determine what we do next and demand that there's political leadership. But also, um, we need a massive national education campaign, I think, to connect the dots for more Americans who, yes, are becoming increasingly aware that we have climate change. But, you know, just how urgent and dire is it? It turns out 
pretty bad, um, more so than most people think. And then, as you say, what can we do about it? And as someone who's been interviewing the experts on the solutions for 15 years now, I could not agree more. I think that is part of the missing piece that mainstream media has been a little bit more focused on the fact that it's arrived, less focused on the so-called, quote, debate. But still, we need a place, um, I think a dedicated place, that talks about the myriad things that must be done, um, because there's no, of course, silver bullet, and it's not going to happen overnight. Well, that's exactly right. And so the the summit is really aimed at not just holding a single event in Washington, D.C., or some other location, but a national summit, as we're proposing, uh, is an event that does talk about uh, what climate change is and why it's happening and what the human contribution is and what the impacts are, but again, focuses mostly on solutions at the household level, at the business level, at the community level, at the state level, within all the different sectors of our society, agriculture, transportation, energy generation, et cetera. But that event is beamed out across the nation to similar events happening in, in cities and states everywhere so that uh, we really educate the public and engage the public during this day. In fact, we're calling for the president to, uh, to, to uh, dedicate a, that day as National Climate Day and to ask Americans to sit by their, telef- their televisions or their radios or their computers and listen to the event and or attend one of the local related events that are going on so that everyone at the end of the day really is substantially uh, engaged and understands the risk but also understands what they can and should be doing to begin to address this issue. This is an attempt to really begin to educate and mobilize Americans uh, so that we can really uh, begin to dig in and address this problem. Well, would love to be part of that. Very exciting. What do you think the chances are that it will happen and within the first 100 days? Well, I, I'm actually cautiously optimistic that it will happen. Uh, I, can, I guess I'll say that we are uh, in discussions with uh, members of the White House about the possibility of this happening. I think there's a, whether it can happen in the first 100 days or not is, is a question now because of the, uh, the level of energy that will have to be put into orchestrating these events around the country linked with the national uh, summit. That might take us a little longer, but I think that if it does happen, it will happen sometime before the end of spring. Uh, so whether it's 100 days or a little bit longer is, is to be seen. But uh, I d- would suggest that if people listening to this show are interested in this event and believe it should happen, they can go to the website and sign a letter that is being circulated right now to the president asking him to hold a national climate summit and just go to Google uh, and look for the national summit letter uh, and uh, uh, and then you can sign up yourself. But we, we that's one of the steps we need to take right now is demonstrate the level of support for this kind of event to the president uh, so that he now decides to move forward. And you have about how many signatures so far? Well, we've got actually two different petitions, but there's probably 5,000 signatures. We just started gathering signatures about a, uh, a week ago, so we're shooting for twenty or 30,000 signatures this, uh, by the end of the year. It sounds like Senator Boxer's climate caucus, if it happens, and let's hope and work to make sure it does happen, will be focused on getting legislation passed. Uh, Will that be the focus of the climate summit, or is it really more about educating and mobilizing the American public? 
Yeah, the summit, as we propose, is not focused on any particular policy. Um, we believe that there has to be a, gr- a, a significant upgrading uh, of the level of understanding uh, and engagement in, uh, and concern about climate change before we're actually going to get any uh, federal policies. So we're trying to build the basis, build the platform for those kind of policies to happen. But there's also policies that are needed at the community level, the municipal level, county, uh, state level, as well as federal level. Um, so uh, try, the, the summit is aimed at really engaging folks in that so that they act on their own, act in their own businesses and households and communities, and that will build support at the same time for state and federal policies. You heard my feelings about um, more being needed in mainstream media. What do you think? Is there a role that, um, you know, our radio and television stations and, you know, syndicated programming might play uh, to regularly cover? I'm not talking about mentioning, but, you know, day in, day out, really discussing the myriad of ecological challenges we face, all most of which are made worse by climate change. Well, you're absolutely right. Climate change is sort of a threat multiplier. It makes all of those uh, problems, biodiversity loss, the water pollution, et cetera, much, much worse and, and has its own direct impacts. Um, uh, and uh, I think the media plays a critical role in this effort uh, to educate, uh, to apprise people. And it, for the most part, the media, the mainstream media, is still doing the sort of uh, what they call a balanced approach, trying to give the uh, equal time to uh, skeptics or opponents. But, you know, climate scientists have known about this problem for over 100 years. Uh, And there's nothing new here. There's no debate that the Earth is warming and that human activities are happening. And having this false dialogue about that really is just a way of delaying uh, action and of course that's what the skeptics know. Uh, as long as they can continue to look like there's a debate, uh, it'll it'll delay action. So I think it's time for the mainstream media to stop that. In fact, CNN just had a debate between a climate scientist, uh, the the uh, TV person, yeah, uh, and uh, a, a, a denier. But uh, we don't have debates anymore on mainstream media about does t- tobacco cause uh, cancer smoking cause cancer, et cetera. We, we've moved past that in so many other ways. It's really time uh, for the mainstream media to do that also, or they have to take some responsibility, if they don't, for the damage that is now occurring around the world and the hardships that are occurring because they have failed to tell the truth to the public also. Well, I'm sure, as we were, that you were dismayed by the climate silence leading up to the election in the debates. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, the first petition we developed uh, around the summit was to ask both candidates to talk about climate change in the debates and to commit during the the, 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 the can, uh, campaigns to holding a climate summit. But they didn't do that. Uh, I understand uh, the the focus of both campaigns was on the key swing states that they felt they had to win, et cetera, et cetera. But this is the most important problem facing humanity today. In fact, it's the most important problem uh, any uh, group of people has ever faced. And we cannot solve a problem you will not talk about uh, and you will not acknowledge. So we have to begin to openly discussing, discuss this issue uh, and discuss the solutions. Uh, there are going to be some costs, but actually the benefits of acting far outweigh the downsides. But as, the longer we delay, the higher the costs are going to be. 
And what did you think of candidate Romney's um, snide remark during his acceptance speech at the Republican convention, uh, mocking Obama for daring to care about the rising of the seas and uh, caring for the environment? Well, uh, those are those are interesting questions. Uh, um, that it seemed to me that uh, uh, as governor uh, of Massachusetts, Romney had acknowledged that climate change was happening, and he uh, his, his state actually had one of the leading plans to address it. So, it seemed to me he was playing to his constituency or what he thought was his constituency, much like he did on the health care plan, denying uh, and opposing the very plan that he created. Uh, and, and that didn't speak well for him, uh, from my perspective, that uh, he couldn't be honest and direct and say, yeah, it's happening. He knows it's happening. I'm sure he knows it's happening because his state took the lead on it. So uh, it was pretty disingenuous from my perspective. Not to mention the fact that the Republican convention was postponed a day because of a really bad storm bearing down right. on Florida. Yeah. yeah. I, I think there's lots of ironies here. I mean, the, the biggest irony, of course, is that Hurricane Sandy uh, plummeted the northeast uh, coast of, a, of the country days before an election where there was deafening silence about this very issue. Uh, as nothing as if Mother more... Nature was screaming at us, and as I said, as if Mother Nature might have been a Democrat, perhaps? Yeah, I don't know if he was a Democrat or not, but it was like, wait a second, this is real, this is happening, I'm here, you can ignore it if you want, but this is the result. Well, do you think that Chris Christie, um, sort of teaming up with President Obama to address the impact of Sandy and Michael Bloomberg with his um, magazine coming out saying it's global warming, stupid, perhaps helped Obama win? Do you think that some number of Americans were finally sort of tuning into uh, the difference between Obama, who at least um, we believe understands the threat of climate change, even if he hasn't been as vocal and active as he needs to be, and hoping for a different approach in the next administration, and Romney, who was really mocking the whole concept? I don't know to what degree their comments or their actions played a role in the election. Um, it would seem to me that the people that respect those two people might have been influenced. Um, uh, but I think uh, I think the tide had changed before that anyway. I, I think that, uh, uh, again, I, I don't have uh, great insights into the election dynamics, but I, it does seem to me that uh, people had decided one way or the other early on, and that I think the Republican message, the Romney message, just didn't fly with many people. It just became more and more obvious that those points, those that their view of the world was not going to solve the nation's problems. I wasn't so sure that people were convinced that the approach the Democrats were taking will solve the problems, but they knew that the approach that uh, going back to the old approaches wasn't going to help. So uh, that's what that's my view of it, at least. And, and speaking of that, let's talk a little bit about your precepts and from me to we, how this is not anything that's going to be quick or easy to solve, that it really needs a long term approach and a deep approach and how there's actually five commitments required, you say, to resolve climate disruption, economic collapse, personal distress, and much more. Um, that sounds very interesting and very ambitious. Tell us about these commitments. Well, first of all, um, we have to understand that we're now living in a very new era, and our thinking and behaviors have not caught up to this yet. Fifty years ago, even, and certainly um, before World War II, environmental problems were mostly localized. And if there was a problem uh, of overcutting a forest or pollution, you could move elsewhere or you could contain that problem. Now, today, environmental problems have been globalized from global warming. 
uh, which affects everything, to ocean acidification, that it's affecting the world, uh, the oceans all around the world, to biodiversity loss, et cetera. But it's not just um, environmental problems that are now globalized. Economic problems are globalized because the global economy is connected. So a problem here in the U.S. in 2008 ricocheted around the world, and we're still trying to deal with it. Uh, as well as uh, the fact that we're now completely connected or extremely connected, interconnected electronically and otherwise with folks all around the world. And that means, again, that uh, things that happen in one place have profound effects uh, in other countries very, very quickly. And we have to change our thinking now and update our thinking and update our behaviors to address and and respond to this very different kind of era we live in. That requires, I think, five different uh, components or five different commitments, as I call it. The first is you have to see the systems you're part of. Rather than acting on your own, just uh, in response to the issues or stimulus immediately in front of you, you have to take into account how the context in which we exist, exist now. So what systems, what ecological systems, economic systems, social systems are we part of and how might our actions affect those systems? Then you have to take this, uh, the next step. What are the consequences of, our, of my actions? And this is an, at the individual level, at the household level, at the level of a private firm or a community. How are our actions going to affect the systems we're part of? We have to really now account, fully account for cause and effect. And once we take those first two steps, we broaden our awareness and see of the bigger systems we're part of, and then we account for the consequences of our actions on those systems, the last three commitments fall in line. The first is um, it's a universal moral commitment, and it's very important today uh, that even if we can't do good, we should do no harm. So we really have to decide to adopt a, a moral and ethical principle and then follow that up with rules and procedures and policies that minimizes and then eliminates the harm we do to the global climate, to biodiversity, to other people and to the economy, that is, to the systems we're part of. That's the third commitment, uh, adopt clear moral principles to do no harm. The fourth commitment is the opposite of that. We are in such a serious Problems have evolved to such a serious level that we now need to rebuild many of the systems. We have to restore the Earth's climate, as an example. So in addition to doing no harm, which is the first step, and that's pretty tough, we also then need to begin to do good and restore uh, these systems. And finally, uh, the last step is to realize that uh, societies have changed the way they think and behave the do- societies have changed their dominant cultural perspective and cultural norms many times through history. So we can change the way we think and act today, just like we have done it many, many times. Humans have done it many times. But it does require that we choose our own destiny, as I call it. That's the commitment that we do not have to keep doing what we're doing, even though it seems like the only available option. Uh, and. Uh, one, and we can see that, that people are doing that, institutions are doing that, organizations and businesses are changing their behaviors. We now need to realize we have the urgency of all changing our thinking and behavior. Uh, and if we do it, I'm actually optimistic that we will address 
uh, issues like climate change and biodiversity loss, as well as the economic decline and what I call the world social recession that we're in, which is pretty serious. So I'm optimistic, but it's going to take a new way of thinking. And don't you think that um, we're not just going to come out of this recession if we are in the process of that, as we have in the past, given the energy deficit, given that we are, you know, starting to go down the downside slope of um, peak oil and look what we're doing, you know, fracking for natural gas, um, that the energy, which is the mother's milk of civilization, the the equation is changing, and, and yet it may not be able to change fast enough to really, you know, help us meet the challenges that we face. I do like your concept and agree with it that, you know, we are the land of um, can-do and that we should be able to, you know, determine our own destiny. That's certainly a very, you know, American patriotic precept. Um, And yet, we Americans seem to be a little bit distracted, a little bit too busy with other things and um, not quite tuned into the emergency that we're facing. Well, the way I always say this is true freedom is freedom from outdated erroneous and harmful uh, ideologies and, and ways of thinking. And so while America, many Americans believe that we are sort of a can-do country, we are very caught up in and controlled by outdated ideologies and thinking. And that's the first step, the most important step we need to change. I think if we do that, we will unleash a tremendous amount of innovation uh, and new business opportunities, uh, uh, new ways of living that meet basic human needs without undermining the Earth's climate and uh, ecological systems. I, I, I think we can do that, but it does take an awareness of a different way of thinking. I will say if we don't change that and we start to come out of the recession, uh, as we, we seem to be doing, and do the same thing we did before, uh, we're going to make conditions worse. So on the East Coast with Hurricane Sandy, if we rebuild the same way we've built in the past, We'll be putting more greenhouse gas emissions into the atmosphere with tons and tons of cement being poured, et cetera, et cetera. Now's the time to change the way we think about these issues and then, consequently, the way we plan, the way we build our new technologies, et cetera, or we will make things considerably worse rather than using this as an opportunity to get on a different path. Could not agree more. Well put, Bob. And uh, um, my next guest is going to be talking about the impact of climate disruption on the ski and winter tourism industry. So the impact's already being felt, of course, after this year of extreme weather events. Anyone who questions that, well, should go back and um, read the science because it's all happening and more rapidly than even climate scientists had predicted. I want to thank you for the work you're doing and once again tell people how they can participate in requesting a climate summit take place early on in 2013. Uh, just go to the website, uh, Climate Summit 213, and you'll see the letter that you can sign on to there, and I appreciate the time you've taken today. Thank you, Bob Dopelt. We'll check back with you and see how it's going. Really, I think it's uh, exactly what we need right now. That Great. does it for the first segment of The Green Front, but stay tuned right after these quick messages. We'll be back to talk a little bit more about what is happening that we cannot see but is on the horizon in terms of impacts. And then in our last segment, some very exciting news about a brand-new company rolling out new solar technology today that allows you to um, look at your solar possibilities from the comfort of your own home office or work. Be right back. Just 